Trump and his children are frauds, so says a judge. And Biden is on the picket line, plus the absurdity of men and religion. And we've been using the phone the wrong way. I'm going to tell you what USA Today says we should be doing. All of that today. Uncensored. Unfiltered. Unhinged. It's the Corelcast. Listen daily on your favorite streaming service. It is the Corelcast. I am Corel. So very glad you are joining me on this Wednesday. That's right. It is Wednesday. Uh, and oh, what a day it is. First of all, uh, yesterday, Tuesday, a judge in New York said Trump is a fraud. Of course, we know this, right? Uh, but the judge said, of course, he inflated his properties for the last decade. And three of his children, of course, named and they're frauds and they're frauds. It's a summary judgment. Let me explain to you what happened. Leticia, the, the attorney general up in New York, she asked, uh, when you go to trial, the first part of the trial is a summary judgment. And that's where they bring their case to the judge and say, we have so much evidence that this guy is guilty. We just want you, judge, to decide right now before the trial about some of the facts of the trial. And the judge looked at the facts and said, oh, my God, Becky, you're right. This guy's a fraud. Uh, and basically said that his argument that he wasn't was like a bad Marx Brothers movie, which says, what are you going to believe? What's in front of you or your eyes? Or no, what are you going to believe? What I'm telling you or your eyes? Uh, and the judge believed his eyes. Uh, and guess what? Trump guilty of fraud. Okay. I don't even know how the guy is running for president. How do you run for president when a court says, that you've been committing fraud for a decade. So he is going to go to trial. All the trial's going to do is basically do the punishment. In other words, she wants him not to be able to do business in New York, not to be able to serve as CEO or any on any boards in New York, and she's going to get it. She's going to get it because he's a fraud. He is a fake huckster, and we all know this. You and I know this. This ain't telling you or me crap, okay? We, we all know this. Uh, however, a judge has now sided with you and I and said he's a fraud. He's been committing fraud. He lies about the value of his company. He lies about the values of his properties. He lies on his tax returns. All of This is a civil case, by the way. It's not a criminal case. But, oh, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden. You know, Hunter Biden has two crimes which he fessed up to. He fessed up to the gun charge. He fessed up to lying on the application. He was about to do a plea deal. He fessed up. Trump and his children, filthy as sin. You know, and now judges, and so, of course, they're attacking the judicial system in New York now, uh, the Trump clan, saying, you know, how, what a sad day it is for the New York jurisprudence that, you know, this judge is trying to destroy a man's life. No, he's trying to convict a freaking criminal. Meanwhile, President Biden, you know, the, the guy they say is too old, is out marching on a picket line with the auto workers. First time a president has ever joined a picket line. It's hugely symbolic. By the way, I really feel he should have joined the SAG-AFTRA or the WGA picket line. You know, it really shows where his brain is at, that it's middle America. It's the working man that puts the cars together. That's America. Screw you, Joe Biden. America are the people in Hollywood, too. 
people who make movies, films, television, they're America too. They've been on strike longer. You should have joined that picket line as well. But at least he joined the auto workers. You know, I guess he figures California is going to vote for him no matter what. Although, record number of people in California saying they're going to vote for Donald Trump. That's frightening. That's just frightening. Uh, so Trump, or, uh, Biden is out on the picket line, first time for a president, and shows solidarity, so- solidarity, shows his support for unions. Union is not a dirty word. I love my union, SAG-AFTRA. I love my union. Unions are not a dirty word. They are to protect the workers. And so he is out there showing his support uh, for the workers. You'll notice today we have new little animations across the bottom of the screen. We also have a new background uh, you know, we have the same background, but inside a newer background. Uh, I did all that today, uh, yesterday, actually. To, I did it Tuesday uh, for today, for debut here on Wednesday. Uh, you know what I wanted to start talking about today uh, wasn't fraud and Trump, uh, although that's just delicious. It's just delicious that a judge is like, are you kidding me? This guy's a fraudulent huckster. Uh, and Biden on the picket line. I wanted to talk to you about an article. I read a couple articles that USA Today were going to be talking about today. Uh, the first one was about the disillusioned Gen X and, I'm sorry, millennials and Gen Zs. Uh, and according to a Harris poll of 4,000 of them, they feel that it's exponentially harder for them than it was for their parents uh, and that they're never going to have some of the things that their parents had. of them said they're never going to own a home, that it's just out of reach. It's money they don't have. Uh, They'd rather rent, uh, not well, not would rather rent, but, you know, they just can't afford it. They don't ever see themselves being able to get into the housing market. Another complaint of theirs was that my generation, I'm 60, uh, my generation could, in fact, have one job. And that one job could buy you a house, a car, savings, take you on vacations. One job. In the 50s and 60s, women didn't, there weren't even two household families. And the one job was able to buy the house, to buy the groceries, to bring you on a road trip a couple times a year or a vacation. One job. Well, Gen Zs and millennials realize that one job ain't going to even basically make it so you can live. A lot of them surveyed, 49% of them are back living at home. And ec- the, econo- the economy is the number one reason. So they're discouraged. They're a disillusioned, discouraged generation that sees nothing but political divide, climate change that is directly affecting their future, and a financial future that involves more than one job, And not enough money to save. Most of them said they are not saving. And we went over those numbers last week. And that the the proof is in the fact that 65% of America has less than $2,000 in the bank. So they're not saving. They'd rather spend their money. They even said that. They would rather go out with friends and enjoy life now than, than save. Because they don't see themselves ever being able to save huge amounts of money. You know, you go out, you spend 50 bucks, 75 bucks, whatever. You don't really see that as something that could compound and, you know, serve you over the years. That's dumb. It could. Uh, but I get what they're saying. 
you know, why not just spend what we got? Because, you know, this morning uh, in the San Francisco Chronicle, I saw that they are renting for $700 a month in the Soma District of San Francisco. They are renting pods to sleep in. They are four feet across, four feet tall, and seven feet long. And they, they fit a twin-size bed inside of it, a mattress. And that's it. That's all it fits, a twin-size mattress with a little room at the end. 700 bucks a month, no real cooking on site, five bathrooms for everybody to share. And they're sold out. They have five of these locations in, nationally, and they're all rented. $700 a month to basically rent a cube to put yourself in at night to sleep. And then during the day, they have a common area there that you can sit in. Uh, but other than that, there's not a lot of amenities there. 700 a month to basically sleep in a coffin. I can't even go through the MRI tube. So sleeping in one of those would not be good for me. Tech people are doing it. People who don't want to commute into the city are doing it. People who can't afford to live in San Francisco are renting the $700 a month sleep pods. This is real. This is happening. And Gen X, I'm sorry, Gen Z and millennials see this and they just feel discouraged. Like, you know, this is going to be our lives. And I can't, you know, there's not a lot of people that could reassure them that that's not going to be. 7% interest rate on houses, you know, the average house costing $400,000. They're right. One job. Ain't going to cut it. Gonna make it. All right, when we come back, oh, the absurdity of men and religion. We gotta talk about this. We gotta talk about it. And we will. Make your device a whole lot smarter. Get the Corelcast app free at the app store of your choice now. Alrighty, the three worst things to happen to the human race are not what you think. You probably think, oh, climate change or, you know, an asteroid hitting us. No, the three worst things to ever happen to the human race are religion, money, and men. Those are the three worst things ever. Religion, money, and men, particularly white cisgendered men. The worst. Let me tell you why I say this. This morning I was doing my weightlifting, 30 minutes of weights with Apple Fitness. But I, when I lift weights, I watch news. And this morning I watched NHK World instead of France 24 or CBC. And they had a story about Iran and how there's a female journalist still in jail for one social media post. And how there is this uh, movement about wearing the hijab in public and covering completely up in public. Modern-day Iranian women, some of them don't want to wear the hijab. Well, of course, the men in charge have passed actual laws that say these women must cover up in public. And they've had, you know, the great council has met about it and there's been, you know, laws passed and there are people in jail because they haven't done it. 
and they have shut down movies and they have put actors and actresses in jail. They have put anyone that post, you know, con pictures to the contrary in jail, one picture off to jail, you go. And I just shook my head and I said, wow, look how ridiculous. I mean, any logical thing, that's why we should fear AI. That is one of the reasons we should fear AI, because AI is not going to give way to religion. And here you have these men, and it's men, making these laws in Iran that women must stay covered up in 2023. Not like if they want to cover up, that's okay. No, that they must stay covered up. And what is that a direct cause of? Religion and men. So religion and men in the Middle East are terrorizing women. But it doesn't stop there. Look at the United States of America. Religion, men, and money. Abortion. Gays. Trans. Religion, men, and money are trying to destroy gays, trans, anybody different than them. And they're using religion as a way to do it. Oh, well, it's not me that's discriminating against you. It's what God says. Religion, men, and money are the worst things to ever happen to the human race. Capitalism is perhaps one of the worst things to ever happen to humans. And it's going to kill us. It's killing us and it's going to kill us. And our love of religion, not mine, but, you know, the world's, has held us back for centuries, caused wars. Most fights and most battles can be traced back to religion or money, and there's a man involved, always. And I don't get it. I don't get it, women. First of all, women, there's as many of you as there are men. Why you don't rise up? And when it comes to money, you know there's only 2,800 billionaires in the world out of 8 billion people. There's only 2,800 billionaires. And yet they control 80% of the world's wealth. 80% of the wealth in the world is controlled by 2,800 people. And most of them, white men. You know, we have got to get rid of white religious rule or any religious rule. You know, Sharia law, Afghanistan. Look, at it's 2023, and we are allowing fairy tales to dictate our lives. We are allowing fairy tales here in this country to actually harm Americans. And you know when they don't stick to their religion? When it comes to guns. That's when religion goes right out the window. When it comes to guns, they forget they're religious because Jesus would not approve of an AK-47. Okay? Just period. Jesus would not approve of automatic weapons. Jesus would not approve of weapons at all. So they can cling to their Bible or their Koran or whatever their, their doctrine is when it suits them to discriminate against you or I. But when it comes to actually do something that the Bible or the Koran would want them to do, like end violence, get rid of guns, treat everyone like an equal, love each other like you would love yourself or your neighbor, that part, totally forget. But oppressed women, 
use the Bible to oppress women when it comes to abortion, when it comes to all, basically indentured slavery. We'll tell you what to wear. We'll tell you how to wear it. We'll tell you what you can and can't do to your bodies. We'll tell you how much money you're going to make, and it's not going to be the same as a man. You know, oh, yeah, when you want to oppress a woman or oppress a gay or oppress a black or oppress anyone different than you, the Bible is a great thing. The Koran's a wonderful thing. But when you want to actually make peace, have unity, have equality, things the Bible actually preaches about, oh, hell no, can't have that. So do you see why I say that men, religion, and money are the three things that humans have invented? And outside of men, we've invented money and we invented religion. Those are inventions. Money is an invention. We invented it. We could uninvent it. We could solve poverty tomorrow. We could end poverty tomorrow if we wanted to. How do I know? Because we created it. Poverty is not divine. Poverty is not just a state of being in nature. That's not, it is not natural to be poor. Animals are not poor. They have food. They have, you know, their housing. They have mates. They recreate, they do whatever they want, and they don't have money. And yet animals have a fine life. We invented the monetary system. We could uninvent it to a system that actually benefits all, but we will not. Why? Because of those 2,800 billionaires. That's why. Because it wouldn't benefit them. You know, in Iran, all the women should rise up and stone all the men in their sleep. They should just get giant stones and when the men go to sleep, club them in the head. You know, all religious people should basically be taken out of government, should be taken out of public office. If anyone espouses a religious belief in public, they should be banned from public service. You shouldn't be able to be in Congress. President Joe Biden, we shouldn't even know he's a Catholic. That's his business. That's between him and his God. There is no reason that we need to be in between him and his church. There's no reason that we need to know the religion of anybody. That is a private, personal thing that we shouldn't even care about. We are more squeamish talking about money with each other than we are about religion. And yet religion in Iran right now is keeping people in jail. Why? Because women won't wear a scarf on their heads in 2023. Women right now, right now in America, religion is killing women, actually causing the death of women because they can't get legal procedures for their bodies from their health care providers. Why? Religion. Religion, my whole life, has been used to keep me a second-class citizen. Why? Because they don't get being gay. Something that's never mentioned in the Bible at all, never, the Old Testament Leviticus has been debunked. It is, they were not talking about gay. Jesus did not talk about gays. And in the Ten Commandments, the big rule, if being gay was so terrible, if having an abortion was so terrible, why didn't your God put it in the Ten Commandments? What? It's on the tablet that got broken. Like Moses had three tablets and dropped one, and that was the tablet that the abortion and gays was on? Because it's not on the other two tablets that they you know, covet so greatly. Religion, men, and money 
It's why we're it's why we are crumbling as a society. The distortion of religion, the rule of men, and the perversion of a fairy tale. Whatever brand of fairy tale you might subscribe to, Jewish, Muslim, Catholicism, it's all a fairy tale. It's not real. There is no God, and as written, and the fact that we make laws and rules that punish people based on a fairy tale is why we're going to fail. Oh, yes, honey. Coming up next, you've been if using the phone all wrong. Reallycorel.com daily. You're missing out. Get the podcast videos and the blog, including recipes, at reallycorel.com. That's really K A R E L.com. Ladies and gentlemen, as the iPhone 15 rolls out, and I don't have one, uh, USA Today had an article that about phone etiquette, modern-day phone etiquette. And I guess we've been using the phone all wrong. And when I read this, I thought this is another reason why we are going to fail as a society. This right here, this article right here, is another reason why we are going to fail as a society. Some of the things it says you're supposed to do to have phone etiquette made me want to puke. For instance, here's, here's one that I love. You're not supposed to call anyone anymore. Call them, you know, like voice to voice, until you text first and ask if they're available for a call. So you're supposed to text and say, hey, got time to chat? And if they say yes, then you're supposed to call. You're not just supposed to pick up the phone and call someone you're thinking of. No, no, no. That would be too, oh, I don't know, personal, caring, thoughtful. Instead, you're supposed to text first. And when I brought this up yesterday with a group of friends, most of them said, well, that's what I do now. I text and see if they're available. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You want to talk to someone, pick up the damn phone and call them. You know, as I was reading this article about it, I'll tell you more what it said, but remember when phone etiquette was making time for your relatives to use the phone because y'all shared the same phone or not dragging the phone into the bedroom with the long, like 100 foot, you know, not stretching out the, 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 the twirly cord, you know, the, from the kitchen into your bedroom. Remember when phone etiquette was asking the person on the party line to get off? I remember that. We were poor. When I was a little kid in the 60s, we were poor, and there were still party lines into the 70s if you were poor. So you had to pick it up, and if you heard someone talking, you'd ask them if they could, you know, clear the line soon so you could make a call. It was a shared line. That was etiquette. Phone etiquette used to be don't call anyone after 10 o'clock at night unless it's an emergency or your, your besties or something. But for the most part, don't call before 6 a.m., and don't call after 10 o'clock at night. That was phone etiquette. Now it's text me first to see if I even want to talk to you. What a bunch of impersonal baloney. Oh, and now that FaceTime will let you leave a video phone message if you try to FaceTime somebody. Oh, and about FaceTime. Never FaceTime anybody without first texting and asking if they're available for a FaceTime because you don't want to catch them at an inopportune moment. Yes. Honey, I, that's exactly why I would FaceTime someone. I want to catch them at an inopportune moment. I live for catching someone at inopportune moments. 
But, I mean, who's going to answer FaceTime when they're sitting on the crapper anyway? And they said, if you leave a video message, make it short and sweet. And perhaps instead of leaving a voicemail, you could send a voice memo. I'm like, who the hell wrote this article? A 22-year-old? A 25-year-old? You know, this is why Gen Z and, and millennials are disillusioned. They're about as disconnected as it could possibly be. They have a phone, and now they have rules for how to use it. Text someone before you call them. Text someone before you FaceTime them. Leave a voice memo instead of a voicemail. Send them a voice memo through text. Don't, if you FaceTime somebody, don't make the video message too long. Before you FaceTime them, be sure you go, oh my God, it went on and on. This article went on and on and on about proper phone etiquette. And all I could think of when I was reading it was, what a sad, sad society we've become. The fact that you would even have to think about it, when I want to talk to someone, I pick up the phone and I call. Actually, I tell Siri. <laughs> hey, Siri, call Daniel. Hey, Siri, call Steve. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think about like, oh, should I text them first and see if they're available for a call? Screw that. If they're not available for the call, they won't answer. It'll go to voicemail. Oh, that's the other thing. It says you don't have to answer every call. What? It says sometimes you can just let it go to voicemail if you don't feel like dealing with the call. So someone's taking the time to call you. But your ass has decided you just don't feel like talking, so you're just going to let it go to voicemail. Instead of picking up and saying, oh, hi, can't talk right now, or I'm not feeling it, or whatever. Oh, no. Just ignore them all together. And that's what text messaging is, by the way. Text messaging is possibly the most impersonal of all communication that there is. You're dealing with a little bubble of, of thought, a little bit of, of, you know, what, consciousness, I guess? Just a little line of it. A little line of emotion. Oh, and it says, don't argue via text message. It said that. Don't argue via text message. That, isn't it funny? It said if you're going to argue, you should actually save that for an actual call. Because then vocal inflections and emo And see, that's what I said about text messaging. Everyone's so hot on text messaging. How many times have you gotten a text message and taken it the wrong way because there's no vocal inflection? You know, how many times have you gotten a text message and read it and said, well, fuck them? But what they're actually just trying to do is say something and they didn't use a vocal inflection. Oh, and now there's emojis and bitmojis and this and that and the other thing. We have a billion ways to communicate and now we're not even supposed to. Supposed to call, supposed to text first. Is it okay if I call you? Well, no, now that you ask, no. <laughs> you know what? I will never, ever ask someone's permission to call them. If I want to call them, I'm going to pick up the phone, I'm going to dial, and I expect them to answer. God, we live in such weird times where we have all these communication devices and that you tell people it's okay to not communicate. Oh, you don't have to pick up the phone. Oh, you just let it go to voicemail. Or better yet, just send a voice memo. Or just send me a text and I'll get around to it. Oh, yeah, they said that four hours, that four hours is an okay time frame to send someone back a text. If I text you and you don't call me, you don't text me back within an hour or two, you better be dead. You better be dead or so busy with your life. You know, you better be in meeting after meeting. If I text you and you wait four hours to text me back, I'm going I'm to have a problem with you. Oh, but that's an acceptable time, Carell. No, it ain't. 
It ain't. I'm sorry. That's like sitting in a room with someone and, and saying a statement to them and them getting back to you an hour later. <laughs> yes, I heard you an hour ago. I thought I would answer you now. Well, I, I talked to you an hour ago. And this is all part of it. You know, the, the, the opening story I did about Gen Z and millennials being disillusioned. This is part of their disillusionment. They are disconnected. You know what? Getting a phone call is spectacular. And as you age, you realize when my niece Heather calls me, I stop everything I'm doing. I don't care what I'm doing. I would stop a live stage show to talk to Heather. And for those of you that've seen me, you know that I my mom called once when I was on stage and I took the call. Right there on stage. Hi mom. She was in a nursing home and I was worried. All right, I'll see you on Friday. I am Corel. You be who you want to be. Fun didn't hurt anybody. Hope you had a good time today. Tell your friends, support the show on Patreon, share the show on social media, like and subscribe on YouTube, donate on Patreon. Do it all. Hey, Here's it's Carell. Amber and I would like to thank you for joining us today and remind you there's a way to never miss a thing, and that's by subscribing right now to my YouTube channel. Just click the subscribe button below or go to youtube.com forward slash reallycorell. That's youtube.com forward slash reallycorell for a world of great free content. And that content is kept free by the fabulous group of patrons at Patreon. Why not become one and show your support for the show? Just $5 a month or more and you're in. Go to patreon.com forward slash reallycorell. That's patreon.com forward slash reallycorell. My website is reallycorell.com and everything fabulous is there from the show to blog and recipes. Instagram and all social media are, you guessed it, reallycorell. And it couldn't get much easier by simply downloading the free CorelCast app at the app store of your choice. And then all the content from Corel Media will flow right on through. That's the free CorelCast app. Remember, I am Corel. Be who you want to be so I don't hurt anybody. And subscribe and participate today.